0: Well, welcome to today's podcast of Holy Days. I'm uh, Apostle Freddie Riggs, here with Pastor Sean Shepherd, And uh, we have some great stuff for you today. Know that God is, uh, uh, is just speaking, exciting times that we're moving up on. So, uh, Pastor uh, Sean, uh, what do we have today? Well, today we have two. It's uh, uh, Viakel
1: and uh, Pekudai. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. I didn't really look up the uh, pronunciation of these, but it's Andy assembled, and the next one is Accountings of. Mm-hmm. So we're going through two portions today. We're going to be short on both of them, but it's, uh, it's the very end of Exodus. So okay. the end of the book of Shemot, and
0: then we're going to have a blessing at the end. Amen. So we'll praise the Lord. Uh, let's just dive in and see where the Lord leads us today all right so starting in exodus Exodus 35
1: now according to the hebrew sages the study of the temple is the same thing as doing the mitzvah associated as if the temple were still standing so the study of it is the same as actually doing the acts that they were doing that's what they try to say so they they consider that to be that holy um and you know mitzvah is commandment as Mm -hmm. we went over in the last one but uh they say that the rectification of our souls and the world, the the Aramaic word is uh, uh, tycoon, so it's which also means warfare. Okay. So the rectification of our souls means warfare in Aramaic. So what you're looking at is uh, New Testament Ephesians six, the whole armor of God. Yeah. Remember when we went over that last time, and I mm-hmm. talked about the priestly garments, not that of a Roman soldier, but that of your priestly garments, mm-hmm. and the, army of God, the armor of God should be looked at and studied this way. So it's, I put on the whole armor of God and carry out the task of doing God's will in my temple. So my body, my temple, where the Holy Ghost dwells, where the Spirit of God dwells, I put on the whole armor of God, my priestly garments, to do His work and His will. So... You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. So when putting on the helmet of salvation, you put on the little medallion strip over your mind, the golden band that the priest wore, that set apart as holy to Yudhe heh So you have to think about that. So the helmet of salvation to us Gentiles for the longest time is a helmet, and it just meant the helmet of salvation because God saves, and that's how he protects your mind. Well, if you look at it from the priestly example... We're set apart wholly unto God. Okay. When you put on the turban with the mm-hmm. the metal bar that says that. So it's it's a separation of the things of this world, set apart holy unto God. It's it's a way to think about that for our mind. How is our mind meant to be? Completely set apart from the things of this world. Holy unto God. Brought into submission by the Word of God. So
0: uh, the way I look at that, you know the mind is our greatest battlefield <laughs> well, there's several books been written on on that, and we do uh let let our mind get the best of us sometimes and we we have to battle the thoughts of the mind mm-hmm. and it It really is
1: like for me, it's always been the strongest battle mm-hmm. is dealing with it's not just dealing with the heart it's dealing with the thoughts that come from that so you know, there's been studies, um, and I, I want to bring this out just real quick, but there's studies where the heart has its own mind. Now, people argued that for years, but medical science has proven it. Mm-hmm. The heart has its own brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have in the Bible, it talks about the thoughts of the heart and the evil intentions comes from the heart, and everybody's just like, well, that doesn't make any sense scientifically mm-hmm. until not too long ago. Mm-hmm. it was uh, I think it's less than 10 years ago. They proved that the heart has a brain. Wow! So we're fighting not just here, but here. Yeah. So breastplate of righteousness for over the heart, and a helmet of salvation for over the mind. So on the breastplate we had the twelve jewels. We had that, but you know you had God's name written over over top of that, over top of the Ephod. So God's protecting both minds when you look at that with that armor. So we got the name of God written on both. Okay. So God's intention was always to protect both. So so many times, you know, we'll pray God for God to give a, you know, help us in an area. And I just want to bring out that when you're struggling, and it, it's a struggle of belief, a struggle of God's goodness, maybe, a struggle of what he's going to do. It's, it's not a battlefield on one front. It's a battlefield on two fronts. Hmm. You're fighting two battles. You're fighting this battle and you're fighting this battle. It's the mind and the heart at the same
0: time. It really is a twofold battle. You know, and the scriptures tell us that God looks at the heart of a man because um, there have been times uh, that we've all been worked up, had a uh, reason with our mind, i'm gonna i'm gonna do this or i'm going to do that whether it's in a good way or a negative way but then we say well we had a heart change um, so is that the heart the mind of the heart the will of god because god knows the heart uh, our mind can play tricks on us we know that we've always heard that but your heart you know it says out of the abundance of the heart Heart, the mouth speaketh mm-hmm. uh, I always thought what I thought in my mind, my mouth spoke, and sometimes uh sometimes it does speak too quick mm-hmm. uh things uh oh, I wish I could get that back, but when you speak from the heart, it always touches people and motivates, and you can tell when someone's genuine speaking from the heart, so uh God is more concerned with the heart mm-hmm. of righteousness and and speaking from the heart amen, amen. And it's, you know, it's from, the heart often overrides
1: the mind appear here anyway in the head. So yes. <laughs> it is, is very true. Um, the next portion that we'll go through, it has to do with uh, the Sabbath day. So mm-hmm. it's holy to anyone and is a, a day of rest and anyone who doesn't obey is to be put to death. Yeah. We've seen that several times mm-hmm. as we look through these parashahs. Uh, but a day is like unto a thousand years. We've heard that before. Oh, yes. So I'm going to go into this a little bit on that because it's, it's the Sabbath day. So what's so important about this Sabbath day? What does it reference to? So on the first day, God created light. Enoch was so in tune with God, God took him during the first millennial. So that first thousand years, God took him. Days like into a thousand years. Okay. Stick with me. I'm going I'm, I'm going with you. <laughs> So on the second day God created water. During the second millennial the flood came in Noah's time. Okay. So on the third day God created dry land. And during the third millennial Moses and the children of Israel crossed over on dry land. On the fourth day God created the lesser and greater lights, right? During the fourth millennium King David was born at the beginning and then Yeshua was born at the end, okay? Right at the end, Yeshua was born. So he's, uh, after he's born, like three or four years later, we entered into the fifth millennium, and during that time, uh, God created the animals and fish. So during the fifth millennium, Yeshua tells the apostles he will make them fishers of men, and Christianity is born. During the sixth day, which where we're at now, 6,000 years, God makes man in his own image. In the sixth millennial, we see that uh, man's destiny will be, with Yeshua returning, being man brought back to the image of God, not the corruption it's becoming. So he straightens out the image of God Amen. on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, what does he do? Well, he rested. He rested. And we're looking for a millennium reign of rest. Mm-hmm. So that millennial return of Jesus what's so important for people to hold that in reverence in this time in the Bible and for us, it's celebrating and coming together to, to praise and worship God on the seventh day. We're all giving reverence to a time when we will literally be standing there with Yeshua, worshiping in the millennial.
0: Amen. You know, um, Isaiah uh, 46.10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning. So now we're we're back, we're teaching from the beginning of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always believed that God, uh, uh, the mysteries of God is hidden in the scriptures for man to, to find, search out, to search out, study out, and to uh, understand. And I believe that just as you've been teaching here, these, this is something that most of us have never heard. I, I've taught a lot on... Uh, Uh, declaring the end for the beginning and where it says a day is a thousand years, thousand years as a day and relating the story of the good Samaritan uh, along with the return of of the Lord. But this is another example where we can see the end Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. And so uh, it's very interesting that it's right here. And I don't believe God wanted us to be in the dark, uh, I know he's if talking about the return of the Lord. He says, no one knows the day or the hour. So we are in the dark on that, but we will know the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, the season tells us, one, if we're at the coming to the end of the sixth day, then we're at the the that season of the return of the Lord. So, uh, but we must be ready. But I, I believe that the scriptures will not lead us astray, but lead us closer to... Uh, to understanding the revelation of God, Amen. and I believe God is is explaining this right here to us. Amen. Very good, Pastor. Amen. Uh,
1: so, you know, observance observance of this. Mm-hmm. Now we understand why it was so serious, because mm-hmm. we're we're celebrating that, and just as He said, we're, we're coming to that. It's near the end of the age. If you look up. Not to scare anyone, mm-hmm. but uh, you know you got the Jewish year. What they say it is five thousand seven hundred and something. So uh, fifty-seven eighty-three. Fifty-seven eighty-three. Uh, if you add in the captivity that they had in Babylon, okay. which they took out, okay, they don't count it anymore. Right. But if you were to add that back in, do you know what our years would be? No, I don't. Five thousand nine hundred ninety-eight.
0: Oh, so we're we got two years. <laughs> That's how close we are. Last I heard, so yeah. we're getting there. Amen. So, we're getting there. Um, let's see. So
1: verses four through nineteen, if, as we get into our actual content here, uh, again the people are instructed to give for the tabernacle, mm-hmm. and all of their uh, pe- its pieces freely as they stirred in their hearts. It goes over all the pieces and all the priestly garments and everything. And then in verse 20 through 24, men and women came to help and gave freely. Hmm. And then verses 25 and 26, say this part for the ladies, women who knew how to sew came and prepared blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen, cloth, and yarn. And in verse 27, the leaders of all the tribes came and brought the gemstones to be set in the ephod. So... All the women came to help with the sewing and putting together everything. And all your leaders, and this is something that we never touch on as Christians, this part. The leaders of the tribes came and gave the gemstones. So each
0: leader had a different gemstone. Mm -hmm. And you know how the chest piece had. The chest had the 12 pieces representing the 12 tribes, so each gemstone. Mm -hmm. So somehow
1: God had set that up in Egypt before they even left. And they may not have even known about it, so it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And they have banners, they have things and symbols and things. We'll go into that later at a later date. But uh, verses thirty through thirty-three, the Lord chose uh, a man named Bezalel, uh, son of Uri, as the, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Mm-hmm. He is a master craftsman, skilled in everything. He is a master at every craft. Imagine if that was uh, spoken of today over someone. Uh, He just, every single craft that the children of Israel had to making this temple, this man was a master craft over all of it. Mm. So he's put in charge all of it. It's it's amazing, and God's spirit's on. Remember, we talked about God's uh, abusing His spirit on people to do certain works. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have here. And it's so important, you know, to make sure you're
0: using your talents
1: because they're God-given.
0: You know, even here it says the women were willing to use her skills, mm-hmm. and the men were willing to use her skills, and that is today. We need to be willing to use our skills. To help build the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen.
1: So, in moving in moving on, we'll go into chapter 36, but, you know, just touching on that, uh, there's so many people who are afraid to do things for God, or they feel like, well, if God really wants me to do that, then He'll send someone to open all the doors and everything will automagically happen. That's mm-hmm. what the term I like to use for that. Uh, I've never had anything automagically happen. Mm-hmm.
0: So... You know, So many times in scriptures, we see that the faith of the man, you know, Moses, it says, as they stepped, you know, the waters parted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, there's uh, time and time again, we see as we make a step of faith, then God moves. And it's always been said, every preacher says that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when... um, I can go back to 28 years ago when we started pastoring. Uh, I felt like a Gideon if there ever was one. I felt the least of the least, and uh, surely uh, God could have found someone. But um, God reminded me that I wasn't the first that he called, so I know I wasn't God's first choice. Uh, And He said I wasn't the second that he called. And he said, if you don't do this, I will call another. So sometimes we have to realize that what we're doing, we, we may not feel qualified, but we're, we're stepping out and we're relying on God to guide and direct us and lead us through. And that's what, he, that's what the, the, the Bible, you know, I've heard it said, you know, you can take the Bible as basics and instructions before leaving earth. Just to, uh, <laughs> So he takes it as a roadmap to guide us through, but he teaches us so much about God's nature in this and how we are to present ourselves. And everything we have has been given to God, our gifts, so we give them back to him. Amen. And
1: notice here what happens right off at the bat at the beginning. Um, who chose this guy? The Lord. The Lord chose this guy. Yeah. Just like in where we are now. Mm. So when God tells you, I want you to do this, yeah. It's God that chooses the person. It's not the people or other people. Uh, it may not even be people in an area or whatever it is that you're called to do.
0: It's God chooses the person. You know, and thinking on that nature, I heard a minister make a statement this weekend that I, I really meditated on it quite a bit. And what he said, he says that you don't call yourself or choose that you're going to be a preacher. He said, you may be a public speaker, you may have gifts and talents, but just because you have those talents doesn't make you a preacher. He said, God calls mm-hmm. the preachers. God calls the ministers. And, uh, you know, I think if, uh, there's a lot of people who want to be ministers. And they're good speakers. I'm not, but, you know, they miss the anointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God called and he gifted these. And when God calls you, uh, you may you may have been the kid in the school that wouldn't speak in front of anybody. You may have taken all of the, the Fs and st- on oral reports and things of that nature. But once God calls you, he gifts you and he takes out of you your weakness and, and gives you strength in him. So just as the Lord, it says uh, the Lord gifted these men, he will gift us. But the Lord is the one that calls us. Amen. 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 Chapter 36,
1: uh, the people gave so much, Mm. Moses had to tell the people, stop
0: giving. Stop giving. (laughs) Yeah, that's a problem in the church today. (laughs) Uh, No, you know, you can't outgive God. Amen. uh, It
1: says their contributions were more than enough to complete the entire project.
0: So they got to the point to where they just kept giving. It's like, please stop. We yeah. have enough. You know, and, and that's something I've, I've said, uh, people have heard me say, over. God is a God of more than enough. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people think that God's a God of just enough, but he's a God of more than enough. And it, it says it right here, we have enough. He's a God of more than enough. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do here
1: is I'm not going to go into the rest of 36 and 37, but I'll cover it real quickly. It talks about the artifacts again and goes over all the pieces again. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, we have already went over that in the last parsha, so I'm not going to do that on this one, but we'll touch on it. Uh, so in Chapter 38, they took an inventory of all that was given. Hmm. So 2,193 pounds of gold, which in today's money, I looked this up. It took me a while because we don't measure by gold. We measure by ounces. But I finally found a way to calculate it, and it's $63,587,040. Yeah, $63 million worth of gold for the temple. For just the tabernacle. This ain't the temple in Solomon's Day. This is the tabernacle. Okay. 7,545 pounds of silver, which is 2,486,000. And then 5,310 pounds of bronze, and I don't have the price of that, but... Mm -hmm. But bronze is not nearly as expensive as the other
0: two. Well, I didn't notice scraps up right now, so it's higher this week (laughs) than it has been. (laughs) But uh, using all this
1: material to construct the tabernacle, the ark, and the rest of the artifacts, and that uh, does not even include the wood that was used. So Mm -hmm. the wood, of course, was the special wood that they had to use, and all of this stuff, you can imagine just the cost to build a tabernacle. It's not even that big. It was it was decent size, but I mean in today's standards of buildings, it's smaller than this church. So, wow. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, the high priest garment was uh, that was one thing I wanted to touch on. I almost forgot about that. Hmm. The high priest garment, a lot of people don't know this, but it was never washed. Never washed. What would happen is the blood stayed on it. He came in, he sprinkled the blood on, uh, over the ephod, over the piece, the, the nameplate that went over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he would sprinkle the blood on the uh, Ark of the Covenant when they were making certain that sacrifice once a year. So that Ark was never washed. His robes were never washed. And what would happen, when it wore out, they made rags out of it. So, um, this teaching is, you don't often hear this, uh, but they would make rags out of it, and then they would take the rags and then make wicks out of them and stick it in the menorah. And that's what they made the wicks out of for the menorah. So, our righteousness is of filthy rags. Wow, there's that scripture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But God used it to burn to provide light inside the
0: tabernacle. That's very interesting. You know, uh, we don't we hear that that we are filthy rags, and and how the Lord takes and purifies and and uh, burns out of us all that old wickedness and cleanses us. So that's very interesting to to see this brought out like this.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it's something that I didn't I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I d- started reading over it and uh, studying, and I was like, hey, hey, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So. When our righteousness burns out, that's when God provides His light and His righteousness shines. So when you're self-righteous, it's His filthy rags. Hmm. But when you let God burn that out, it provides light into His temple. Amen. So it's, it's a little powerful thing. but to, It's very powerful. So in uh, the next parasha, where we're going to slide right into, uh, Bakudai, uh, accounting of... Or accountings of is uh, Exodus 38 to Exodus 40, and it's going to close us out. So uh, they put together and make the garments and the other priestly garments. Uh, They liken these garments to the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness.
0: Hmm.
1: So you have the you have the uh, regular linen garment, and you have the priestly robe. Right. So in Isaiah 61:10. You know, it speaks of uh, the robe of righteousness. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, when every time we talk about people who've gone to heaven and done these things, they they got people walking around, and we call it today gowns. Yeah. But it's linen garments, and then we have people walking around in priestly robes, and they ask, "What's the difference?" Is some people barely made it and they got salvation, and then the others are walking around with their full priestly garment on, the robes of righteousness. Mm. And you see the parallel here between these and the old ones. So it's, it's very interesting and it's something that, you know, we don't often compare to. But mm-hmm. if you're going to compare to it, you got
0: your regular priestly robes and then you have the fully decked out one. So Wow. You know, speaking on these robes and stuff. Um, <clears throat> You know, sometimes we get this mentality that, uh, well, a priestly robe only for the minister, the preacher, uh, and they're the ones going to be exalted in heaven. But, you know, the scripture says, uh, they that are first shall be last, though the last shall be first. Uh, also, you know, I think in, in heaven, you know, Jesus pointed out the the widow that gave the two mites and said, you know, she'll be talked about throughout eternity Mm -hmm. Um, there are going to be people in heaven that their main job was to pray they didn't maybe never did anything great never delivered a sermon maybe never been the person that led someone to the lord uh maybe never gave the most money to the church but they had a sincere heart. They prayed. They prayed for the pastor. They prayed for the church. They prayed sincerely for people to be saved. You know, their rewards in heaven; those robes that they get in heaven are going to be decked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, there's a, a false teaching that just because uh, you were a prophet or, or you were a pastor or you were an apostle, you're going to you're going to be elevated to such a high place in heaven. It's those that gave of their talents and their skills Mm -hmm. to do what they could. And so that robes, we can all earn robes, of uh, decked out priestly robes, but it's our willingness to serve and work for the Lord. Amen. So I just, you know, I I think of that often. I think of uh, uh, in the 28 years, uh, the most precious people that's been to me as a pastor for 28 years is, you know, and I appreciate the giver And, and I'm not saying the giver won't be honored in heaven, but I appreciate those ladies, those, uh, men that have sought and spent their time in prayer and prayed for me and lifted me up, uh, when I went through difficult times. Uh, and I think some of their rewards are going to be great. So many just, who are who are first will be last, right? And many who are last will be first. So, I, I think some, you know. Sometimes the people we think the least of mm-hmm. will may have some of the greatest honors in heaven. So, uh, everyone has a part, and uh, but I've always appreciated those. Yeah, Amen. That's uh, God looks
1: to the heart, and you know, there's there are people who have who are prayer warriors, interceders, fasting and praying that no one even knows. Yeah.
0: So. you know we talked a little about a while ago about the heart mm-hmm. uh out of the heart the mouth speaketh you know and uh, so but out of the heart actions is made amen so amen so what are you going to do with yours
1: amen <laughs> amen so in chapter 40 after the work is finished around seven to eight months it took to make the tabernacle um, now I'm going to go into something here that I don't think many people have heard. Okay. But I'm going to do it. So, now the brass altar was made for burning the sacrifice, laid the cross on it to put to the, uh, the meat to the sacrifice. So they made a cross out of wood, put the meat on it, and burnt the sacrifice. And Jesus died on the cross. Passover. Passover's coming up. So, the laver, the washstand, washing and cleansing, Christ cleanses us because he is our sanctifier. Unleavened bread. The showbread food for the priest uh, Christ is the bread of heaven, uh, the bread of the presence. First fruits. We got our first fruits demonstration there. The altar of incense is for prayer. The last thing before going beyond the uh, veil to the ark, Christ is our intercessor. Pentecost. All right. Sticking with me? Yeah, I got you. All right, so the menorah provides light, and Christ is the light of the the world. Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets.
0: Mm.
1: He's the light of the world, the light revealed at Rosh Hashanah. So the Ark of the Covenant has to do with atonement, and Christ is the final atonement for us. So you got the mercy seat, the blood, and it's judgment for anyone who's not. Day of atonement. It's right there. And then, the tabernacle in its entirety, all these things mixed together, God dwelling with us, with his presence coming down, it's fulfilled in its entirety. The cloud, the pillar of cloud comes down and dwells in among us. Feast of tabernacles.
0: That's what we're looking at. That's what you're looking at in the entire tabernacle. Amen. And that, that's interesting just how each one of these has a role, has a part, and each um, article here just kind of collates with that. And uh, there again, I think the Lord is trying to draw us in and teach us uh, that he, he knows what he's doing. His plan is going to be fulfilled. It's, it's all laid out. So you're looking at it, it's got every
1: major feast, every season, everything is provided for, everything has a reference to something. There's nothing that's missing. We didn't go into everything. Even the ropes have meanings and significance Mm. to them. It's, but the temple fulfilled is all of mankind's time fulfilled. It's showing us a demonstration of God's plan. Mm. And by the way, when they're laid out, they form a cross. Yep. Amen. So, in uh, verse 34 then uh, the cloud covered the t- t- tabernacle and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle Moses could no longer enter because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory filled the entire thing so he couldn't even walk into it when the cloud moved the children of Israel followed it and if it stayed they stayed mm-hmm. so he would sit over top of this tabernacle When it moved, they followed. But if it didn't move, they they stayed where they were. Mm -hmm. At night, fire glowed within the cloud. So it kept the children of Israel warm, and it had that glow in it. So they knew, and they could see it just walking outside of their tents. And the Bible specifically lets you know they could see it. So you're talking about the entire outline of Mm -hmm. the children of Israel that walked in a cross pattern could see that. Mm -hmm. Um, So... That's, uh, that continue throughout all their journeys. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the book of Shemot mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. This is where we come to an end. And it's, uh, you know, that's the end of the book of Exodus. And um, when we come to it, we're going to have a blessing, mm-hmm. which he's going to speak over to everyone in just a moment. And if you watched all the other videos or listened to them uh, or listened, you know, from the podcast or watched on YouTube or uh, Facebook, then we thank you and we're going to speak their ironic blessing over you
0: amen and uh, we do we pray that uh, this has uh, these teachings helped you to grow uh helped you to understand uh by no means are we expert on all of this subject uh, we learn as we go along uh Sean uh, has studied a lot more of this than I have. And, and Sean, this has been a great blessing and great teachings that you've done. And so we want to speak his blessing. May the Lord uh, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift you up, his countenance upon you, and give you peace. And we pray that peace of God upon you. And shalom god's peace amen amen and i just want you to think
1: about it for a moment if you went through all this study with us uh every time they do this they celebrate they have a cheer and they bless god too so i celebrate with you we bless god and thank god that we we got through another book so we're going to keep going and next is uh leviticus and its instructions for priests and we'll be back next week on that And it's it's thank you for watching and participating with us and we hope it's been a blessing and right now in the name of jesus i bless you and i pray that you are filled with His spirit and you have the direction to know what you're meant to do and that he speaks to you even now on everything that you're meant to do and his blessings and to reveal to you whatever whatever may be missing in your heart and in your mind, whatever confusion there may be, that he just speaks and corrects that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless. God bless.